Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
God. 
through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show, no glory on my own, but in my weakness he Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. As we continue our study through the book of Ephesians, uh, through Paul's letter here, we'll be in chapter 3 this morning and just looking at two verses, verses 14 and 15 of Ephesians chapter 3. And so as you're turning there in your Bibles to Ephesians 3, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning for this opportunity, this time that we can come before you 
And Lord, study your word and have you teach us and have you show us new truths that maybe we've read before, but Lord, we see them in a brand new way. We see how it applies to our life in a brand new way today. And so, uh, Lord, I pray for that for my brothers and sisters in Christ. But also this morning, we recognize that we've got friends here, family members here uh, who are lost. They don't yet know you. And maybe it's folks that have sat with us week in and week out for years and years, decades even, but they don't know you in that personal way. And I pray today might be a day of salvation for them. Lord, it might be the day when they recognize their sin and their desperate need for salvation, for forgiveness, for a relationship with you. But I know that I'm a very weak vessel, so Lord, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross and only you'd be seen and then only you'd be heard, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I hope that each and every one of you who are here this morning um, consider yourself to be a person of prayer. I hope that each of you have that daily time with the Lord. Not just lifting up a prayer at bedtime or at mealtime, but you have a dedicated time each and every day where you get before the Lord, you humble yourself before the Lord, and you spend some time in communication with Him. And if you don't, uh, then guess what? This morning you're going to hear some ways that you can begin that relationship. Um, but I, I hope that you have that. And, and if you are a praying person, then you know the difficulty uh, that can be associated with prayer many times. The flesh hates to pray. Our flesh does not want that. Not only that, but the mind is very easily distracted during prayer. Have you ever stopped to pray and you started off pretty well and then all of a sudden your mind just starts wandering off in a completely different direction? You're thinking, where did that come from? You're laughing because it does. It happens to all of us. You're trying to pray and then it here, here we go in a, in a direction that we're like, that's just crazy. Have you ever found yourself thinking about matters that, that don't remotely connect to what you started to pray about? If you have, then I want to welcome you to the human race. Because all of us have experienced that. Yes, your pastor has experienced that. It's, it's difficult many times to pray. We are short-minded people. And we're an easily distracted people. And so it seems that Paul had some of the same issues, as I've mentioned the last few weeks. He starts off to pray in verse 1. And then he is sidetracked and he spends the next 12 verses describing the mystery of the church. Now, I don't want you to go off this morning saying that, that Paul was distra- distracted by fleshly motives and that Brother Brad taught that. That's not what I'm saying. His mind was clearly uh, dedicated to what the Lord had him to write about. Uh, And the Holy Spirit distracted Paul, it would seem, on this occasion. But in these verses before us this morning, Paul finally, finally returns back to the matter that he brought up in verse 1, which is the matter of prayer. And so we discovered in verse 1 that Paul is a prisoner in verse verses 2 through 6, that he is the pioneer in verses 7 through 13 last week, that he is the preacher. And today we are going to examine the prayer warrior. And so this morning, if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Just these two verses, Ephesians 3, verses 14 and 15 this morning. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You may be seated. Two simple verses. The two verses that show us Paul's heart in the manner of prayer. I first want you to turn your attention to verse 14. We see Paul's passion in his prayer. 
As Paul begins his prayer for the saints, he says, for this cause. And that word cause means reason or from, uh, or from the, the pleasure of. Paul is speaking of the revelation that he has just shared with the church. In other words, he is referring to the great truth that has been revealed for us from Ephesians 1, 1 to Ephesians 3, 13. That great doctrinal passage is filled with some astonishing truths for us from the fact that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places there in uh, Ephesians 1, 3, to the truth that he has made us fellow heirs along with the Jews in the body of Christ, the church, which we see there in chapter 3, verse 6. And in between those verses are the facts that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world there in chapter 1, verse 4, or the fact that he reaches out to us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, which we found there in, in chapter 2, verse 1, that he loved us in spite of our depravity and our wickedness. We see in chapter 2, verses 2 through through four, that he saved us by his grace and has made us his children. We see in chapter two, verses five through ten, that he reaches out to us who separated, who were separated from him by our sins. We see that in chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. And that he saved us and he has adopted us into his family, that he has made us part of the body of Christ, the church. And this is the reason enough for us to praise him for all of eternity. And all of us, I believe, can say hallelujah, amen, thank you, Lord Jesus, for those truths that have been revealed to us. And when we stop to consider everything the Lord has done for us to save us and to change us in our lives, it should motivate us to come to him consistently on a daily basis, like breathing out and breathing in, in prayer. It should drive us to our knees on a regular basis. If God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins and then he saved us by his grace and adopted us into his family, then we should have a desire to spend as much time as possible with God in prayer. A God like that deserves our time. Our love for the Lord ought to manifest itself in a passionate desire to come into his presence, to spend time with him in prayer. Our passion for him should drive us to him. But also we see, secondly, that prayer is a command. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So he gives us direction that we are to be a people of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul once again reminds us, prayer without ceasing. Prayer is important to God, so he commands it. But also prayer is a duty. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the, of the truth. Prayer is our duty. Prayer even for our leaders that we may not agree with 100%, is our duty. But also we see prayer is a gift. It's a gift from God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it's that we're told, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has given us the gift 
of prayer, but also prayer is a privilege. Look at what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought about what a privilege it is that the God of creation allows us to come before him? That we can come boldly before him as children running to their father? That we can come boldly before him and speak to him in any hour of the day, day or not, morning or evening? That we can come before him? What a privilege! But then prayer is also a promise. Jeremiah 3, 33, 3, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Isaiah 65, 24, he says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And then in John 16, 23, we're told, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you ask shall the Father in, in my name, he will give it to you. It's a promise. God has promised that he will hear us and that when he hears us, that he will answer us in one of three ways, either yes or no or wait. And those are all answers because God hears each and every one of our prayers. We must make prayer the priority of our lives. We have much to pray about and we have a great God who invites us to come to him in prayer. We should humble ourselves before the Lord and ask him to help us make prayer the passionate pursuit of our life as it was for Jesus. But secondly, I want you to see here in verse 14, Paul's posture in his prayer. We see here that when Paul considered these things, the power of them literally brought him to his knees. The thought of all that God had done brought him to his knees. And he says, for this cause, I bow my knees. Bowing the knees to pray is common for us. But for a man like Paul, in in Paul's heritage, it would have been quite uncommon. In fact, we remember that that typically the, the Jews would have lifted up their hands as they stood and they would have lifted their palms towards heaven and they would have prayed in such a posture. In fact, if you've ever seen uh, those praying, those Jews praying at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, then you know that posture that they have before the Lord of lifting their palms towards the heavens as they pray. To bow in prayer in that day would be a very uncommon thing. Um, but the Bible records several different postures of prayer uh, in God's word. Abraham, we see, stood in Genesis chapter uh, 18 in, in verses 22 and 23. It says, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and he said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So we see he come, came before the, the Lord standing. We see David sat in, in 1 Chronicles 17, 16. And David the king came and he sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? We see that Jesus stretched out there in the garden in prayer. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as thou wilt. You see, church, kneeling was, unusual, was, uh, was usually done in periods of extreme humility and extreme distress. Uh, for instance, uh, Ezra knelt when he confessed the sins of the people. We see that Daniel knelt when he learned that King Darius had signed the law prohibiting prayer to God. We see that 
Paul knelt with the elders from Ephesus before he departed. Solomon knelt before the Lord at the dedication of the temple. Kneeling in, in prayer shows two very important truths. The first is it is a sign of submission to the one who is being uh, uh, prayed to. He's far greater than we are. So when we bow before the Lord, we are acknowledging the Lord's glory, his power, his authority over our lives. And so we kneel before him. We, we bow in prayer before him because we understand that we are in the presence of one who is far higher in rank and in dignity and in glory and in authority than we are. And bowing before the Lord in prayer is a sign of humility and submission before that Lord. And so that's the first reason. But secondly, it's a sign of intense passion and emotion. To, to kneel is a sign of intense passion and emotion. In, in this passage I shared a moment ago, we see the motions and the passion that drove the individual to pray. In other words, sometimes you are so overwhelmed by the circumstances and needs of your life that kneeling becomes the natural posture that one adopts before the Lord, that we drop to our knees as we pray to him. Having said all that, let me say this, God is not concerned so much about the posture of your body as he is the posture of your heart. I don't think the Lord cares about whether you're kneeling or sitting or standing or laying or walking or whatever you may be doing. God is more concerned about the posture of our hearts. So whether we be kneeling physically or not, we should always be kneeling before him in our hearts as we acknowledge that he is worthy. He is the one who is worthy of all of our honor and all the glory that we can give to him. His greatness and his wonder deserve that. And so regardless of the posture of the body, just be sure that you come before the Lord on a regular basis, humble in heart. When Paul thought about the great truths that had been revealed to him, he was brought to his knees in prayer and worship before this great and glorious God. So what a blessing it is when the word of God stirs our hearts to worship in such a way. People get excited when they hear certain songs when they hear certain kinds of music and those things can move people to worship and to praise the Lord. But ask yourself this, how long has it been since the word of God has brought you to your knees in prayer? How long has it been since, since you got into God's word and it shook you to your core to the place where you just had to drop to your knees? How long has it been since you've been so overwhelmed with the truth of God's word? That it led you to worship him. It led you to, to hit your knees and just thank him for his truth. How long has it been since you read the word and have become overwhelmed with all of the truth of God that he has revealed to your heart on that particular day? It shouldn't be a rare thing. That should be a regular occurrence for us. That we dig so deep into God's word that it would just cause us to say, God, that's something I hadn't seen before. That, that's a truth that, that, I can, that I can make a part of my life that I hadn't seen before. And we drop to our knees and thank him for that. That should be how real that this relationship that we have with him is in our life. So do not worry so much about the posture of the body. Be more concerned about the posture of your heart. And may the word of God, the mighty works of God, and the glorious wonder of God cause us to humble ourselves before him in humble prayer. But then thirdly, I want you to look at that last part of verse 14 and going into verse 15. We see Paul's purpose in his prayer. As Paul begins to pray, he tells us that his purpose in this prayer is both to glorify the Father and to edify the church. 
And so Paul takes a moment at the beginning of his prayer to remind us again of just who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that he bows his knee before the Father. The word translated Father is the word Pater. It speaks of the, the generator or the male ancestor of a family line. That word picture of God as, as the one who started a, a new family through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we, are our, that we are all part of his family. And that word family means all those who are in a given people. Uh, they lay claim to a common origin, those who share a common lineage or ancestry. And so what is that for us? Even if we come from different nationalities, even if we come from different races, even if we come from, from completely different cultural backgrounds, we all have that common, common lineage, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of his body. And so this passage reminds us that all those who are in Christ are of the same family. We share a common father. And so the myth that has been adopted by the lost and the liberal, that there is a common fatherhood of God, of all people uh, being the children of God, even those who don't know him, is something that is not part of Scripture. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are not a child of God. You must know him in order to be a part of the family. The Bible is clear when it teaches us that there are only two lines of humanity There are only two spiritual fatherhoods, and every person in the world comes from one of those lineages, one or the other. The first is the first group, one group, is the children of Satan. And that's where all of us started. All of us started as enemies of God. All of us started being born with a sin nature. And so we were alienated from God. We were we were far apart from God. And so that's the first group. It's spoken of there in John chapter 8, verse 44. It says. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so all of us naturally are are part of that lineage. But then the second group, the other group, is the children of God. And we only come into this relationship through the Lord Jesus Christ. We only come into this relationship by being born again, which is something that is not natural. It is something that is miraculous, something that only God can do. And so in 1 John 3, 1 through 3, we're told, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now... Are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. And so there's an easy way to tell which family that you belong to. We're told in 1 John 3.10, In this the children of God are manifest, or in this the children of God are are made known. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And so if your life is filled with unrighteousness, if your life is filled with with, uh, a, a dislike of Christians, if you say, you know, I like Jesus, but I hate the church, you can't do that. You can't hate the bride and love Jesus. 
You can't have both. So if you are a person who is living an unrighteous life and if you hate the people of God, then that's a pretty good indication you don't belong to him. But if you are living a righteous life and if you love the people of God, if you love coming in into worship, you love spending time with God's people, that shows you whose family you belong to. And so if you are in the family, you are the subject this morning here of Paul's prayer, which follows. In the next verses, if you are in the family of God, then you share some very precious common blessings with the rest of the family. The first blessing, our family can be found in two places at the same time. We have a family that can be found in two places at the same time. Paul mentions the whole family in heaven and earth. So part of our family is here, but part of our family is already there. And so the church still on the mission field is living in this world today. And if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that means you and me. When I say mission field, I'm saying when we leave the the four walls of this building, we go out onto a mission field. Whether that be your neighborhood, where your family lives, or whether that be your workplace or your schools, we go out onto a mission field. And we are still here. But the church triumphant is already home with the Lord in heaven, waiting for the rest of us to merely catch up. And so, so we can be in two places at the same time. But secondly, our family shares a common name. God is our father. And we have all been adopted into his family. And so regardless of where we started in this life, and regardless of what your human lineage might be, if you're saved, then we are children of God, and we have been adopted into his family. And so some of us who have been on mission trips, you go to a completely different place where people speak a different language, where, where they come from a completely different cultural background. And you come into that place and you recognize this is my brother, this is my sister in Christ. And there's this, there's this common lineage because you belong to Jesus. You've been adopted. You have the same father. And so whether we're even here or whether we're there, we are his. We are his. And so we have a common name. But thirdly, our family shares a common redemption. We are one people because we are all washed in the precious blood of Jesus. So whether we are here or there, the blood has redeemed us. But then, fourthly, our family shares a common love. Whether we are in heaven or here on earth, we can rest in the truth. The Lord loves his children equally. He doesn't love those in heaven more because they're simply there. He knows all of us and he loves us equally. He has shared his love with us and our Our love for one another is the absolute proof that we are his children. The love that he has shown for us is what allows us to love others in that way. But fifthly, our family shares a common nature. Those who are in heaven have laid down their bodies, and those of us who are still here will join them in heaven one day. Whether we are here or there, we share everlasting life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our lives are eternal, and we will live ours with him in heaven. But then sixthly, our family shares a common worship. The saints in heaven are praising the Lord. And us as saints here on earth, what have we been doing this morning? What were we doing this morning? Praising the Lord. At least those of us who are doing the right thing, we're praising the Lord. Some of you had your arms crossed and a frown on your face. We'll we'll get to that later. But we'll get to that tonight, actually, so come on back. But uh, we are praising him here as they are there and so the Lord Jesus is the common truth there the common fascination of the church here and there both are are worshiping him we have a common 
worship. But then seventhly, our family shares a common body. The body of Christ is one body, and it is complete. Neither time nor death can destroy the body of Christ. God chose this body in eternity past, and it will eventually all be with him in heaven someday. But right now, part of the body is here on earth. Part of the body is in heaven. And then part of the body has yet to be born physically or spiritually. But one day, one day, the body of Christ will be together in heaven forever. And I'm looking forward to that homecoming day when we are all together. But then eighthly, our family is one in service. The body on earth and the body in heaven have one common goal, and that is to serve the Lord. The body in heaven serves him. The body here on earth serves him too. We're to serve the Lord. Then ninthly, our family is one in joy. There is joy in heaven over the grace of God, and there is joy on earth here because of the grace of God. We know that we are not self-made men and women, that we have been bought at the highest of prices by the blood of Jesus Christ, and so we have a common joy over the grace of God. But then tenth, our family has a common destiny. So as I said, part of the family is in heaven and part of the family is still here on earth. But one day the whole family will be together in the presence of the Lord and there will be worship for him there. With one voice throughout all of eternity, we will do what we were created to do. And that is to worship him and him alone. One day the whole family will be at home. And what a day that will be. And so I think we see that prayer is extremely important. But let me close with a, with a story um, of prayer in the life of a church. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman was called as a young man to become pastor of a very large church in Philadelphia. And after his first sermon, one of the older gentlemen in the church came up and said to him, you're a pretty young man to be pastoring a church like ours. But you preach the gospel, and I'm going to help you all I can. And so being a young preacher, Dr. Chapman thought, well, here's a crank. But the man continued, I'm going to pray for you, that you may have the Holy Spirit's power upon you. And two others have covenanted to join me in prayer for you. And so Dr. Chapman said, I didn't feel so bad when I learned that he was going to pray for me. And so the three became 10. And those 10 became 20. And the 20 became 50. And the 50 became 200. 200 who met before every service to pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon me. And I always went into the pulpit feeling that I would have the anointing and answer to the prayers of those who had faithfully played for me. It was a joy to preach. And the result was that we received 1,100 into our church by conversion in only three years. 600 of whom were adult men. It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit in answer to prayer. Brownsburg Church, prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes all the difference. And I sure am glad the Lord moved Paul's heart to pray for you and for me, aren't you? That he interceded for us 2,000 years ago. That he was praying 
for us. I pray that we will place that same burden on our hearts. I wonder if this passage has spoken to your heart perhaps this morning. Is your prayer life everything that it should be? Are you on your knees on a daily basis? Do you have that regular time where you come before the Lord as as your best friend, as the most important relationship in your life, and you pray? Or is there still room for improvement? Are you motivated by an intense passion to spend more and more time with Him? Maybe you're thankful this morning. Maybe you're thankful for, for the prayer life that you have because it is essential to you. You can't imagine a day not praying in that way. If that is your testimony this morning, maybe you need to be here and just thanking the Lord for the prayer life that he's given you and interceding for some folks because you know the Lord in that passionate way. And your prayers, you know how God answers. And you need to be praying for some folks this morning. Perhaps you would come and and pray for the family of God. Brinesburg, I think most of us know that there are so many who are hurting within our church family this morning. We've got some folks that are facing some mighty difficult physical ailments. Some of them are called cancer. Some of them are called heart disease. Some of them are issues that most of us don't know about. But the folks that are struggling with them sure do. And they need someone to intercede on their behalf. Just as, as, as hurtful to us as those who are going through emotional pain of broken relationships... Families that are hurting deeply this morning because of broken relationships. And they need some folks interceding on their behalf. Some folks that have gotten some devastating news financially. And they need this church family to pray for them because they don't know where they're going to turn for that next job. How they're going to pay that next bill. But those are temporal things. Most importantly is those who are lost. We need to be praying for those who are lost around about us this morning. We need to be praying for that one, at least that one, who the Lord's laid upon our hearts that we that we need to have that gospel conversation with, that we need to get into church again. We need to pray for them. And maybe you're the one that the Lord's calling to do that this morning, to come and to humble yourself, to kneel and to make your physical posture the same as the posture of your heart. And we need to pray. Some of us need to do that this morning. But some of us recognize that we are lost. Some this morning, you're my friend and I love you and I care about you, but I can't call you my brother or sister in Christ yet because you don't know Jesus. But you can this morning. And I want you to this morning, but I can't do it for you. I can't want it for you enough for you to be saved. The Holy Spirit has to move upon your heart, and then you have to come. And you have to say yes to that relationship. You have to receive the gift that has already been purchased. Would you do that this morning? Would you come? Would you be saved? Would you join this family that's been praying for you for so long? How's the Lord speaking to your heart? If God's moved on you, then you move. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come. And we thank you for this awesome example of a prayer warrior. What an awesome example of a man who was burdened for those around him. Burdened for the church, burdened for the lost. And so this morning I pray that we would have that same burden ourselves. Lord, that we'd have that same burden for those around about us. And and some of us, we've got stuff in our own lives, but that doesn't preclude us from being able to pray for others. Or some of us need to just come to this altar. We We just need to cry out on behalf of our family, of our church family, of our neighbors, of our friends. Lord, and you'll hear us. Some of us need to get saved this morning. And those individuals know exactly who you are talking about. Not just the preacher standing behind the pulpit, but you, Lord, you are speaking to their heart right now. And they know they need to be saved. And I pray that as soon as we say amen, that they would come. So, Lord, this morning, we we know, we know you're going to do a work. And in advance, we want to give you the glory for it.
Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.